Lord, we thank You that You are King of kings and Lord of lords. That You are God Almighty. You are God Emmanuel, God with us. Before there was time, Lord, You were. And after time will end, You'll still continue, Lord, because You are the great I Am. You're present with us, Lord. Thank You, Lord, that You hold us close to You, Lord, as a shepherd holds a sheep. You know, each of Your sheep by name, You know, our needs and our tendencies, Lord. You're the Good Shepherd. And we give You praise, Lord, and we look forward to that day when we would see You face to face and all the time of prayer and waiting will come to pass. We will be with You in glory. For those of us who, who trust in You, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I pray that You would continue to lead our service as You've led us so far by Your Holy Spirit through the worship and prayer time. Lord, I pray that our time in Your Word would be fruitful, that You would minister to our souls. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for the wonderful worship. Well, good morning. Welcome to Resurrection Church. Happy New Year. Good to see everyone. How did you guys do over the holidays or Christmas and New Year's? Do okay? Yeah? Some of us got sick and and something went around and keeps going around. And uh, we want to pray for some of our, uh, uh, some of us are not here today because they're sick. But God is good. It's in the year. And uh, looking forward to, uh, to sharing a couple things today. And uh, to see some old friends here as well. Um, it's always a blessing to, to be surprised, you know, you guys and Darcy as well. So, well, <coughs> I have a, um, uh, something I want to share the next couple weeks. Uh, I know we've been going through Hebrews. We'll come back to Hebrews. We only have three chapters left in Hebrews, so we're, we're down to the stretch, you know. But something that God has been laying on my heart, just uh, something on a different, uh, different matter, um, and I want to kind of take the next few weeks to share with you guys sort of principles of ministry, sort of like sort of my philosophy of doing ministry and doing church, you know. And I'm going to take it to a couple texts. We're going we're gonna to travel a little bit through the scripture today. And uh, I, I want to start off with, with the scripture in Matthew 20. So if you go to Matthew 20, I want to start off there just to kind of get, get going. But... Um, I've never really taken the time to sort of share how I think ministry and church ought to, ought to be done. And a lot of us w- have gone to good churches and learned these things, but I wanted to take and just declare it publicly and sort of express um, things I see. And, and some of these are very basic and very well-known, you know, but things I wanted to put to, uh, to our mind. But um, I, I want to start just a thought here in Matthew 20. And in verse... Um, well, it starts in verse 20, so we'll go to verse 20, but I'm really looking to verse 25. So let's just start in verse 20. It says, in Matthew 20, 20, it says, Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, came to him, to Jesus, with her sons, bowing down and making a quest of him. And he said to her, What do you wish? And she said, 
Command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit on one on your right and one on your left. I mean, what mother doesn't want their, <laughs> their kids to <laughs> be really close to Jesus, you know? She's really <laughs> ambitious for them. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you're asking for. Uh, are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And they said to him, we are able. Uh, and he said, my cup you shall drink, but to sit on my right hand or my left this is not mine to give, but it is for those to whom it has been prepared by my Father. And hearing this, the ten became indignant. I think they were jealous because <laughs> they didn't get their moms to do the same. But Jesus said, this is where I want to go. This is where I want to start off with this, uh, the thought I'm going to share with you. Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great men exercise authority over them. The idea of lording it over an authority is this, this coming down on, this dominating kind of rulership. And the, the rulers of the Gentiles, that's how they rule in that way. It, it is not to be this way among you, verse 26. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to become to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for, for many. And, and, and as I'm thinking about and these, these some principles of ministry, these aren't in any particular order. I might just get through one of them today. And the, and the first principle has to do with servant leadership. And what I want to do today is sort of do a contrast. I, there's, there's worldly leadership and then there's biblical shepherding. And unfortunately, as, and hopefully never in this church, but as I look around in churches, especially in America, I see a lot of worldly leadership going on. A lot of lording over, you know, um, that, that gets attention from people, um, but it doesn't, it's not biblical, you know. And so I want to do, by way of contrast, sort of show a couple examples of both, okay? So now, go to your Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 8, just by way of contrast. I'm going to show you some things some, uh, on the one side. Look, look at 1 Samuel chapter 8, looking at biblical shepherding versus worldly leadership. And biblical shepherding, of course, is, is servant leadership. So in 1 Samuel 8... Samuel is, is, of course, he's a prophet. He's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's, he's also a judge. He's a, he's a kingmaker as well. He's, he anointed King Saul to be the first king, King David to be the second king. He's a man of God. You, you guys know who he is. And in chapter 8, he's getting older, and his sons are older, and his sons are no good. And the people come to Samuel in... Uh, well, let's look, at verse, let's look at verse 1. It happened, and when Samuel was old, he appointed his sons to be judges, and judges were, uh, they make decisions. They were, were rulers, actually, over Israel. The name of the firstborn was Joel, the name of the second was Abijah, and they were judging at Beersheba. Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in, the way, uh, in his ways, but they turned aside after greedy gain and took bribes and caused justice to turn aside. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel, verse 4, at Ramah, Ramah, and they said to him, Behold, you have grown old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now, 
appoint a king for us to judge us like all the nations. But the thing was evil in the sight of Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, listen to the voice of the people in regard to all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. The king, basically, the Israelites were saying, we want to be like the other nations. We want a king to rule over us. And God says, they're not rejecting you, Sam. They're rejecting me. I'm their king. I'm their shepherd. They're rejecting me. Verse 10. So Samuel is going to tell him, okay, if you want a king, here's how this king is going to rule. This is, again, this is going to be an illustration of the worldly leadership. Samuel spoke all the words of Yahweh, or the Lord, to the people who had asked him for a king. And he said, this is the custom of the king who will reign over you. He's, he said, this is the way this king is going to rule. You want a king because you want to be like the nations. But here's what this king is going to do. Here, watch this. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself in his chariots and his, among his horsemen, and they will run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and fifties and some to do his plowing to reap his harvest and to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will also take your daughters for perfumers, cooks, and bakers, and he will take the best of your fields and your vineyards and your olive groves and give them to, your, to his servants. He will take a tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. And he will also take of your male slaves and your female slaves and your best young men and your donkeys and use them for his work. And he will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. Now, what is the dominant theme that's in his answer? He's going to take from you for himself, and you're going to serve him. He's going to take, 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 exact, exact, exact. And that's exactly what happened. In fact, later on, after King Solomon died, now King Solomon was King David's son, and King Solomon built wonderful things like the temple. But after King Solomon died, the people came to Solomon's, or, uh, to, the, to the people, uh, uh, to the leaders, and say, uh, to, his, to his son who became king, he says, hey, can you let off on the taxes? Can you let off all this stuff because your dad was pretty hard on us and we worked our tails off doing his projects, you know? And of course what happened is um, they didn't, uh, they, um, uh, Rehoboam decided to, 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 not, to not listen to that and was even more harsh. So the idea here is, is as Jesus says, the Gentiles use leadership to rule over and dominate the king who will exact from you and your sons and daughters and will dominate and you will serve him. Okay? This is the, the tendency. He will, he, will, he will take and take and take and it will be about serving him. Let's look at one more example, okay? One more example. Go to Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34. Now, Ezekiel <coughs> is not going to prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. The shepherds were, le were the leaders of Israel. Let's look what it says here. 
Ezekiel 34. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord, Yahweh, Woe, shepherds of Israel, who have been shepherding themselves. Should not the shepherds shepherd the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You sacrifice the fat sheep without shepherding the flock. Those who are sickly you have not strengthened, and the diseased you have not healed, and the broken you have not bound up, and the scattered you have not brought back. Nor have you searched for the lost, but with strength and severity you have dominated them. Same idea, Jesus was talking about the Gentiles lording. That same that attitude that comes in. They were scattered for a lack of a shepherd, and they became food for every beast of the field, and were scattered. My flock wandered through all the mountains, and on every high hill my flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth, and there was no one to seek or search for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of Yahweh. As I live, declares the Lord Yahweh, surely because my flock has become plunder, my flock has even become food for all the beasts of the field for a lack of a shepherd, and my shepherds did not seek for my flock, but rather the shepherds shepherded themselves and did not shepherd my flock. Therefore, and he gives them, he gives them a warning, and then he says, I'm, going, I'm against you shepherds, verse 10, and I will seek my flock from their hand, and make them cease from shepherding the flock, so the shepherds will not shepherd themselves anymore, but I will deliver my flock from their mouth, so they will not become food for them. A couple, couple, couple things uh, that I see about, here's about worldly leadership that I think is in the church, prevalent in the church. See, people want to, people they, they, want, they want, in one sense, as we saw in First Samuel, some people want to be ruled. It's human nature to want to be, to be told what to do, to be controlled, right? to give, give, us just, give us a king so he can rule us and go before us and fight for us and tell us. And that's exactly what, what happens in human nature is that we sort of want that security of structure. We, we want somebody to tell us, you know, lay it all out. You know? And that's okay to have somebody lead you in that way. But the problem is that human nature is also, when you become somebody in power, it becomes human, it becomes corrupting it becomes about you right jesus says the gentiles lord over them and what happens is that you see an example of the selection of the king it becomes all about the king right see worldly leadership is about making the man on top better right it's about accomplishing now accomplishing his, his will but let me just say something hold on Yes, of course, in a church setting, you have to have leaders, you have to have shepherds, you have to have direction and, and vision. But I'm talking about the attitude, and this is what Jesus points out, is the attitude of how, as men of God, I'm talking to the men as, as, as well, because I'm not just a shepherd in this church, I'm a shepherd in my own family, and you men are shepherds in your own family, okay? Is, in the worldly standpoint, it's all about making the man on top even better and serving him and serving him and serving him. And Jesus says, no, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be the opposite. <laughs> right? It's supposed to be not about um, the first shall be first. It's the first going to be last. 
worldly leadership is top-down. It promotes the leader. It promotes those who promote themselves. Jesus' own brother said, Hey, Jesus, why don't you go to this feast and festival? Because if you want to be known, then you should go out there and market yourself, right? As human nature would think, right? Jesus is approached by Peter, and Peter says, You're not going to go to the cross because I got plans for you. And Jesus says, Get behind me, Satan. Why? Because you're not setting your mind on the interest of God, but you're setting your mind on the interest of man. What's man's interest? Self-promotion. Right? Self-promotion. It's all making you look better, you know. And, and, that's, and Jesus says that is so antithetical to way the, the church ought to run and, 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 the, and our Christian life and leadership. We, we, I, I like to say shepherding more than leadership. Why? Because there's a different nuance to shepherding. We'll get to that in a second, okay? But in worldly leadership, it's all about making the man look better. It appeals to the pride. Now I'm in leader. That's why I have to say this. Now we have a small church. I've got a deacon. But when I watch for guys to potentially be, and I'm watching every single person that comes in these doors, are they a potential leader? I'm looking for certain characteristics, and I'm watching over time to see, will they be tempted, just as, uh, as Gollum is tempted by the ring of power, you know? Will it get to their head? Because Jesus says, if you want to be first, you're going to be last. And if you're going to be a servant, or if you're going to be a leader, you're a servant. When somebody serves, who is it about? Everyone else. Well, that doesn't appeal to a man's pride. I'm somebody. I've got letters behind my name. I've got a title. Yeah, your title better be the servant of all and the one who gets no attention whatsoever. And who's not who's not tempted by this. I mean, look at, you got some churches like promote, they have a Pope. Everyone worships him and bows down him and kisses his ring. Really? I want no offense to my Catholic friends. I was Catholic too. But worldly leadership is about doing the leader's agenda, make, making him great, appealing to his pride. And he doesn't fear God. All he wants is more. It's never enough, Right? Seeking for self-glory. 2 Timothy 3 says, But realize this, that in the last days difficult, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, etc., etc. And what happens in worldly type of leadership? It's crack the whip. It's like, produce, produce, sheep, produce, produce. You know, more, more, more. We have these objectives. We have these goals. We have these things I want to accomplish because I want to have a, name, a great name and I want people to worship me. That's basically what happens, right? I'm preaching to the choir. But it's tempting, right? It's, it's that, that, that temptation to want to have a great name. And Jesus says, if you want to be great, you've got to serve. You've got to be a nobody. In God's economy, the nobodies are really the somebodies. Good to have a couple weeks off to think about things, you know. <laughs> so when I think of ministry, I think of doing church ministry, I think 
ultimately, it's about serving leaders and, and serving. And now, guys, on Saturday, we're going to talk more about this in detail. Leading. Um, and where did the church get so corporate sounding? Where did we, where, how did we get so corporate sounding? Where did it be about, about our father's business, about, yeah, making disciples, about... But we're, to, we're sheep, aren't we? It's interesting, back in that Matthew chapter where, the, where James and John and their mom, I mean, come on, you're going to bring your mother to Jesus thinking that, <laughs> that that's going to help you out? They want a name for themselves. We want to sit next to you. And Jesus says, you know something? That's not for, for me to give. He focused on serving. See, everyone wants a name for themselves, but no one wants to serve. Right? You want to become great in the body of Christ, become more of a servant. Become, and that's why Jesus says you've got to serve. I want to take you now a couple of chapters, a couple of sections on, on Christ-like shepherding, okay? I got worldly leadership that you guys know. It's, it's prevalent in the church. There are guys who are leaders of big churches who have no business because they're not shepherds. They just dominate, 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 and they rule, rule, rule. And if you don't do their will, they crack the whip and they get you out of there. And it's like you're not a shepherd. Okay, so let's go to a very famous chapter. Look at Psalm 23. I'm going to show you something, okay? You guys tracking with me? All right. And by the way, after we're done, we'll have commu- we're going to have a communion time too. So, but, but we're not. Uh, I got a couple of places to go here. Watch this. Look at, and 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 I love the the fact that the scripture uses several times the illustration of a shepherd and sheep. You know, and it's not to say you know, we're all sheep. It does not to say we're not intelligent. You know, we've got very smart people in our room. We got doctorates and master's degree, and you know, we got very smart people. But this is an illustration of the way. Uh, the way people are. David writes as, the sh- as a perspective, and you guys know this, but I'm going to point some things out to you. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. That means I'm a sheep. I shall not want. I won't lack, basically, because he's going to provide. Now watch this. He makes me to what? Lie down. Lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still or quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, just stop right there. Okay? If I'm looking at the world leader, and it's all about produce, 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 more wool, sheep, more go, you know, all this driving mentality, and I contrast that with the envision of a shepherd. What's a shepherd doing? He's bringing his sheep to a place to eat. There's some green grass here. And it's peaceful. We need to eat sheep here. There's some food, there's some water. They're resting, they're being nourished. He says, he restores my soul. How many of you guys need your soul re- refreshed? You know, that's the shepherd's main job. Notice, the scripture doesn't say the shepherd has a spreadsheet of the goals he has for the sheep and what they're accomplishing in 2023, <laughs> Right? And by the end, they're going to do all these kind of things, right? You know, somebody, Jesus says, many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons, heal the sick, all kinds of things in your name? He goes, I never knew you. 
Just because you do a lot for God doesn't mean you know God. And the primary focus of the shepherd is the sheep. He's going to feed the sheep. Let them drink. Let them rest. It says he restores, he leads, he guides them in paths. You're following the shepherd now, right? Guides them in paths of righteousness. And then it says, if I, if I walk through the valley of shadows, I'm not going to be afraid because I'm being protected. You're riding your staff, they comfort me. I'm comforted because, in fact, I'm protected by the, by the shepherd. See, in the worldly leader, it's all about himself. He'll leave his sheep to go, to go accomplish his will. But the, shepherd will, the true shepherd will stick with the sheep and say, I'm here, and you can rest easily because you know the shepherd's there. And, the, and at night, when they would bring the sheep into a sheepfold, it's like this enclosure that's with this wall that's maybe three or four feet high. And it would be an opening, and the shepherd himself will lay down, and he's the door of that shepherd. And those sheep are safe. Because I don't know about you, sheep, we're scattered. We, 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 uh, we're easily frightened. Right? So watch this. Watch this. And then he says, you anoint my head with oil. That's healing. Right? He brings his healing. And then what happens next? The shepherd, now this is not in the text here, but the shepherd has led him to green pastures, still waters, refreshes them, restores their soul anoints them, heals them. And then what's next? Come on, sheep, we're going to the next place. Find another patch of green grass and do the same thing over and over again. It's a different mentality, right? The focus of the shepherd is on the care of the sheep. That's biblical shepherding. And I'm, I'm, a sh- I'm trying to be a good shepherd, you know, and my prayer is I would know the sheep, you know, and know, know you guys, you know, and... And I say, Lord, how can I minister? And, and each person has different needs, you know. And you're, as a shepherd, you're, you're managing all that in your mind because you know, okay, this sister, this brother, you know, their, their tendencies, their, they tend to do certain things and you kinda, you're patient with them, you're working with them, you know, because you know, ultimately, you're trying to care for them, you know. You're trying to minister to them. That's a different mentality than worldly leadership. I don't care about going to leadership conferences, because you know something? It's all the same thing. I'll go to a shepherding conference where I could learn how to care for people more, you know? How to be a good shepherd. And how to, how to, and to me, this is more tranquil, right? Now, it doesn't mean there's no problems in life. I understand there's problems. The, the shepherd has to protect, you know, the wolves out there. Look at, you know, remember Ezekiel 34? Go back to Ezekiel 34. And I just said, I'm going to, I got one more, one more, two more scriptures to go to. But Ezekiel 34, go back there. See, Ezekiel 34, he points out, was that in 34? Yeah, 34. Look what, look what they did. Look what these guys did. Verse 2, they shepherded themselves. Verse 3, they ate, the, they, ate they fell, fed and clothed themselves with the wool, but they didn't care for the sheep. Look what it says. Verse 4, the sickly you have not strengthened, the disease you have not healed, the broken you have not bound up, the scattered you have not brought back, they're neglected, basically. Because all the shepherd is, in this case, was concerned about himself. That's worldly leadership. That's what it's, if it's making his name great or making him more, more prominent, you know, I'm, mm-mm, no, no, that's, I don't want any part of that. A good shepherd goes and he leaves the 99, searches after the one that's wandered. He cares, he binds them up because they have to be, because they are, as we are, we're helpless without the shepherd doesn't mean we're not intelligent and we're not smart, but it means that we are in desperate need of a good shepherd, you know? 
And so God says, I'm, gonna, I'm the good shepherd. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. All right, a couple more scriptures, okay? And then we'll have communion. A couple, um, a couple observations, just to, uh, then we'll go. Um, godly shepherds restore the soul. Godly shepherds care for the sheep. Godly shepherds serve out of love and eagerness, not out of gain. Go to 1 Peter 5. We're going to go to 1 Peter, and then I got one more chapter to go to, okay? I know, you know, hey, got to catch up on our Bible intake, right? <laughs> Look what it says in 1 Peter. 1 Peter 5. Therefore, I, exalt, I exhort the elders among you, and as your fellow elder, this is Peter talking, and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. This is Peter talking to fellow pastors and elders. Shepherd the flock of God among you, overseen not under compulsion, but willingly. A, sh- a good shepherd wants to care for sheep. You know, husbands, you have sheep. That's your wife and your kids, if you have any kids. Or if, you have, if you're a mentor to somebody, you're, you're shepherding them. And it's about because you're willingly because you want to do this, not because you're a hireling, you're doing it for money, but you're doing it because you love the good shepherd and you love the sheep. There's this eagerness in love and not out of sort of gain, not out of compulsion, but willingly according to God and not for dishonest gain, but with eagerness, nor as yet lording it over those allotted to you, as Jesus said in the Matthew 20 scripture, but being examples to the flock. Godly shepherds serve out of love and eagerness. They, they seek the lost. They protect the flock. They feed the flock. It's interesting, Jesus says to Peter, after Peter denied him three times, and now he's restored, and Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord. He goes, tend my lambs. Do you love me? He says, yes, Lord. Shepherd my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Tend my sheep. You show love to Jesus by how you care for his own. Amen? That's a different heart mentality. That's why Paul says, you know, the goal of our instruction is love. It's not, up, it's not about produce, produce, produce. It's about cultivating the right heart, the, the heart of Christ, you know? That's a different mindset. It takes, different, a different, uh, it takes more patience. It takes, you're dealing with people, you're dealing with sheep who are tend to wander. I remember watching a video on, on shepherding. And a lot of sheep will just wander off. But some sheep will on purpose run away. They'll look to both ways. Shepherd's not looking and they'll just take off because they're just curious over. And guess what? That shepherd still leaves a nine nine, still looks over that one. You know? And some of us are like that, you know. Some of us stick close to the shepherd, and some of us we're just looking for all kinds of things. Oh, this looks interesting, that looks interesting, you know, and we get ourselves in trouble. And thank God we have a shepherd that comes after us, amen. And sometimes those sheep that have gone wandered up so far and they got surrounded by wolves and the shepherd came in and took them and, and protected them. And that, shepherd, that sheep was scared to death because he finally faced death, you know, those fangs of those wolves surrounding and the shepherd came in, took care of business, you know. Now that sheep sticks close to the shepherd because he realizes, oh, it's wisdom to stay close to the shepherd, you know. But it's a different mindset than the way the worldly Things. And I see this in the church, not this church, but I see this in the church with this, this whole, you know, promote the self, promote the man. You know, I don't want that part. It's just a turnoff, you know. Now, go to John 10. 
going to finish with this. Go to John 10. Because we're talking about shepherds. We're going to talk about the best shepherd of all, of course, right? Jesus. John 10. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep but climbs up, up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he brings them all out on his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him because he doesn't know his voice. Verse 7. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out on fine pasture. You, you see the peacefulness of that scene? I think, I think what Nick prayed. It was, I mean, you didn't know I was going to talk about this. The one song about, she, about sheep. And then one thing you prayed about the simplicity, you know. Sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves to do all these great things, you know. At the end of the day, those are great. Those are cool. You know, God leads people to do those wonderful things. But sometimes we put so much stress on ourselves, you know. And really, it's, it's um, and yeah, we're to do the things that God has led us to do. And obviously, there's things that are difficult and stressful. I understand that. But sometimes, unnecessarily, do we put stuff on ourselves that God says, I didn't ask you to do this. Martha, hey, put the dishes on. Go sit next to Mary, you know. Yeah, the dishes have to get done, but right now I'm here. <laughs> you know, they can wait, you know. We're, st we're still putting away our Christmas decorations. Guess what? We're going to take our time. All right? That's okay. Anyway, that's, that's, watch this. First, uh, but it says, it says, first of all, let me just give you some observations about Jesus as a good shepherd. First of all, he knows his sheep, and they know him. Verse 3, right? Uh, verse 14, I'm the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Um, Verse, 20, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So the, the shepherd, the good shepherd knows the sheep and they follow him. Secondly, he leads the sheep. Look at verse 4. He brings them out, all, he brings all his own out and he goes ahead of them and they, the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Are you following the shepherd? The good shepherd. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about, following Christ. The, the good shepherd also protects the sheep. Look at verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He's going to protect them from the sheep because he's also the door of the sheep. Look at verse, um, uh, he's also a, a good shepherd, of course. Verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays, his, lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 14, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and they follow me. Or I'm verse 15, rather. And even as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. He feeds the sheep. Here's a couple of things about Christ-like shepherding. If worldly leadership is about top-down, top promoting the, the top person, biblical shepherding is the servant of God, the shepherd, Promoting the sheep in one sense. Like his interest uh, is on caring this for the sheep, right? 
He leads them. He feeds them. He restores them. His attention is on them. The other way is their attention is on him in the sense of making him great, but his attention is on caring for them. It's the least is the greatest because the least is also take caring of the sheep. He puts others first. He's others focused. That's Christ-like shepherding. He encourages, he equips, and he leads and he exemplifies Christ. That's why Paul tells Timothy, follow my teaching, Tim. Look at my conduct and purpose and my faith and patience and love and perseverance. Now let me ask you something. Just to finish up here. In worldly leadership, who are the people that are typically chosen to be leaders? What do they have? Typically the leaders, the ones who become leaders of great things in the world, they're the strong, they're the confident. Tall, dark, and handsome, right? They're charismatic, aren't they? They're charismatic. We, oh, he's really good. He's so confident. He has, he has it. He's the, he's, you know, and, okay, so here's, here's God sending Samuel to anoint the first king. He come, or uh, second king, actually, because Saul was tall, dark, and handsome, and he was a terrible leader. So he goes to Jesse. Jesse, let me see your kids. I want to know your next king. First guy comes on the scene, and Samuel thinks to himself, oh, that's the guy. And God says, oh, hold on, Sam. Don't look at his appearance. I'll look at the heart. See, we're drawn to the confident people, aren't we? We're drawn to those who act, who, they're going somewhere. They know where they're going. Let me just say something. Do you know when 20, when did COVID come out? 2020, okay. Okay, 2019. Okay, do you know, let me just say something. I had a spreadsheet. I used to be in accountant, so I had spreadsheets. And I laid out every single sermon I was going to do the entire year. Okay. And then I had the first series of 2020. It was called 2020 Vision. Stupid, right? Just 20 vision. And I had it all laid out. What we're going we're gonna to do this, we're going to do that. All this vision of the whole year, right? And you know when 2020 came around? And COVID said... You can take that vision and just forget about it. And here's what happens. You can make your plans you make your visions, and those are great, but you better hold on to that stuff loosely because the Lord says, you know, I got other plans. Because at the end of the day, it's following the Lord's leading rather than your plans. And we get stuck in, in, in following the person who has vision, and we can't cast vision. You know, here's my vision. for the, We're going to follow Jesus this year. We're going to love one another sh- this year. We're going to pray this year. And guess what? If God gives us another Sunday, another day, another Monday, because we don't know, because God may come call some of us home. We don't know. But our vision is to follow Jesus, right? To make disciples, to, to follow him, to, to nurture one another, to encourage. That's, my, that's our vision, you know? Beyond that, let's let the shepherd take care of the details, you know? Because I, I have my plans, and God says, yeah, that, that's cool, son, Nice, really, you know, really cool, but I have my, so, so in the worldly leadership, they go in that direction. They go in that direction. Yes, get God, God gives us a vision. Go and make disciples of all nations. Okay, there it is. Follow me, Jesus says. That's your vision. Okay, how do we do this? How do I, this is some of the things we'll talk about next few weeks, you know, about, about doing this kind of thing. But watch who, okay, so if the world chooses the, the strong, the confident, you know, the ones who, who have it all, and usually those people run for politics, they, they, sometimes they're a little arrogant, you know, but that's God bless them, okay? 
Who does God choose to be his leaders? Moses. He stutters and he has no confidence. And yet scripture says he's the most humble man on the face of the earth. David. David, the youngest of his brothers, and not the first, second, third, fourth, fifth choice. I mean, how many brothers? I forgot how many brothers he has. <laughs> the last choice. No one gives him. No one even gives him a second thought. Gideon. Gideon is a, is afraid. And God says, God says, "Hello, greetings, O valiant warrior." And he's afraid. And he's young. And he's a nobody. So, so far you got a guy who's lacking confidence, who stutters. Send my brother, send somebody else. You got David, you got Gideon, who else? Oh, Jeremiah. God says, I'm going to send you to the, Jeremiah says, I'm young and I don't know how to talk. No, don't, I, you know. New Testament, I mean, I can go out, I can go out. New Testament, okay, Peter. <laughs> okay, he's a little confident, but he has to learn. How to. Tax collectors. Matthew, yeah. Paul. Look at Timothy. Paul writes to Timothy, second letter of Timothy. He says, Tim, you lost your confidence. You don't have any confidence. You're afraid. God has not given us a spirit of fear, Tim. In fact, he says, kindle afresh that gift that was given to you. You have the gift of teaching and pastoring, Tim, and now you've become afraid and you've gone away from that. You've neglected that because trouble is happening. I've been in prison and you're afraid and this, that. And he says, God's not giving us a fear. Tim, be encouraged. Is Tim the most confident guy in the group? I don't know about you, but and that doesn't mean that God can't use confident people. But guess what? He's got to take confident people like Paul, like a Saul of Tarsus and flip them upside down and say, <laughs> you're going to learn to trust in me and, and be led by me. It's just, just the opposite of the world's thinking. Because God doesn't want to share his glory with a man who's full of himself, right? God doesn't want to share his glory with anyone. It's like, I'm going to use the most unlikely people to change the world, to change their families, that no one listens to. My biggest, you know my biggest problem was? Remember my previous pastor said, why, you, why do you like confidence? I, I have no idea. But here's what happens. As you grow in God, it becomes less about self-confidence and more about God-confidence. Right? It's more about, hey, there's David with the sling. Hey, I, I'm a little guy, you're a big guy, but I have a big God, right? I have a big God. This silver and gold I have not. Peter and John see the man at the, who's, uh, who's, was he blind? What was my tank? He's lame, rather. I don't have silver and gold, I don't have much, but I, what I have, I give to you. Who's your confidence in? God, right? So now the difference here is not about what we can do for God, it's what God does through us as we as we allow him to work through us. Now he's doing wonderful things. Now you've got a man named Moses who's scared to death, who can't talk, and he's leading over a million people in the, in the desert. And God's using him. And the one time he gets into trouble, when he strikes the rock, when he becomes self-confident, and says, now I'm going I'm to be dominating, I'm going I'm to rule those sheep of God because I'm angry at them. And God says, you can't enter into my promised land because now you're misrepresenting what I'm really like. I'm more like this. So, first principle of ministry, serving leadership. 
and serving out of humility and dependency on the Lord. I'm going to pray. And then, if Rob, if you want to help pass out the communion, um, Nick, if you want to play some music in the background as we, and as, um, let me pray. And then, um, and then uh, pre- we'll prepare our hearts for communion. Father, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are our good shepherd. You care for the sheep. You care for us. You know, even some of us in this room have been wearied. Uh, we've been tired, maybe worn out, and you call us to to rest. You call us to to really to look to you to be nourished and. And you're a faithful shepherd, Lord. Hirelings and non-shepherds, they'll leave when trouble comes, but you protect us, Lord. Maybe some of us here in this room have been worn out and tired, and I, I do pray, Lord, that you would refresh our hearts and souls. Maybe this year, Lord, we can just simplify things of just having a walk with you that is, that is really just simple of trust, of waiting on you and listening for you and reading your word and and just trust and just allowing you to lead us. God, I pray that our church would would be full of servant leaders, Lord, of people that 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 don't want a, a great name, but we we really want to exalt you more than anything else. Lord, I ask your blessing. Thank you for this time in your word in Jesus' name. Amen.